For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily. It's called Spotify for Podcasters. It lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. You know I love that, and I promise you the other platforms don't offer that. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can also earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. I've been using Spotify for Podcasters from the very start. I highly recommend you give it a try. Just don't post on Monday. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome, everyone, to Monday Match Analysis. I'm Gil Gross, and it is time for a preview of the Miami Open here in 2023. I am coming to you from South Florida. Yes, I have traveled to Miami, uh, or Fort Lauderdale to be exact, and I will be attending the tournament as a uh, credentialed member of the media on behalf of, uh, of the YouTube channel and the podcast. I uh, frankly do not know exactly how that is going to specifically translate into the content that I produce uh, next week, but obviously uh, I'm really looking forward to the experience and we will see what happens. I do need to be back in LA for the second week. I have some, some tennis channel stuff with that, so I won't be there the whole time, but I will be there for quite a few days covering it and uh, I'll, I'll try to take you guys behind the scenes in some way. Uh, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, not my normal background. Uh, at the end of this video, I'll teach you how to play Moonlight Sonata on the piano. Uh, but until then, we are going to do the usual quarter-by-quarter -quarter previews, dark horses, upset alerts, early popcorn, quarterfinal predictions, and a final weekend prediction. Here's what I will say about Miami. You know, the Sunshine Double is uh, rightly built up as a very difficult thing to pull off in terms of winning both the Indian Wells title and the Miami title, because although they are both on hard courts, uh, they are uh, quite different. It is a, a very drastic change when it comes to the conditions. I think the biggest thing is that you go from the thinnest air possible, dry desert air, to extremely humid uh, conditions where the air feels thick and heavy and it changes the flight of the ball and it changes how how it feels to breathe. It can be very difficult to breathe well if you're not used to the humidity. Uh, the ball also changes from Penn, which is used at Indian Wells, to Dunlop, which is used in Miami. And overall, I should also say that not only is it more humid, which makes it a little bit stickier and more uncomfortable, it is also hotter. And I checked the weather, it's going to be hot. So that becomes a factor for Miami. Indian Wells, that's rarely the case. It's very, very comfortable. 
usually at Indian Wells. In fact, uh, afternoon tonight, sometimes it can be, if anything, a little chilly. Uh, that is not the case in Miami. So that's all I, I guess I, I want to keep in mind as, as we go through the preview. Uh, another thing that maybe I will add is, uh, FYI, uh, 10 players have won the Sunshine Double. Uh, and the first was 1991, Pete Sampras. So since 1991, 62 years, no, sorry, 31 years have gone by. Men, uh, a male and a female champion uh, at Indian Wells, 62 times, if we say men and women. So 62 times. Uh, I should actually subtract one year. Uh, so, so men and women, so 60 times because 2020 was wonky. All right. So that doesn't count 60 times and only 10 times has it resulted in a sunshine double. Four of those instances were Djokovic from 2011 to 2016. It's super rare. All right, let's get into this. Starting with the man who will be attempting the sunshine double, Carlos Alcaraz. Let me pull this up here. I'm not prepared. I didn't have the, the PowerPoint pulled up, but now I do. Here we go. Top seeds in Carlos Alcaraz's quarter. Holger Runa, Taylor Fritz, Tommy Paul, Alejandro davidovich Fikina, Denis Shapovalov, Maxime Cressy, Diego Schwartzman. My dark horse here is John Isner. There are very few tournaments these days where I feel like John Isner is threatening, but Miami is one of them. He is 28 and 13 lifetime at this event. He made back-to-back -back finals here from uh, in 2018 and 2019, and I attribute it mostly to the heat and the humidity, which makes uh, his serve more lively. Uh, he doesn't have to expend a lot of energy, which generally helps him in the oppressive conditions where players uh, sometimes will suffer as a result of anything that gets too physical. John Isner makes sure that his matches don't get physical at all. You look at his the best tournament of you know in, in his uh, repertoire, it is Atlanta. Atlanta is the most hottest and most humid hardcourt tournament on the calendar. Isner loves this weather, and it's translated into a lot of success in Miami. Uh, the, res the results have not been great for the American recently, uh, but the draws have been rough, so I do give him a little bit of a pass in that respect. Uh, he did make the final in Dallas, so it's not like he's done nothing all year. Uh, but John Isner is my dark horse for all of those reasons. I will say there are a lot of good unseeded players here. Andy Murray, Brandon Nakashima, Wu Bing, Martin Fuchovic. So there is a lot to choose from. And I feel like this is probably the deepest quarter in the draw in terms of just a lot of very solid players. And I even really like most of the seeds here as well. Um, I am relatively high on all of the seeds until you hit Shapovalov, Cressy, Schwartzman, who are the kind of the, the last... Uh, I should just say, lowest seeds in this quarter. Uh, with that being said, Maxime Cressy is my choice for upset alert. Uh, 
Here's the stat I wanna I wanna give here. On outdoor hardcore majors and masters 1000s since the Australian Open in 2022 when he went on a little bit of a run. Maxime Cressy's record is two and seven. He has not been able to really make any progress at these kinds of big outdoor hardcore events. So I, I, I simply don't trust him. I don't think there's anyone on tour who benefits more from a roof and still conditions. And Miami can be windy. That plus... I think Andy Murray beats him in the second round. So that's how I got to upset alert. Uh, by the way, this is like Indian Wells in terms of the format. You have a 128 slot draw with 32 seeded players getting buys. So technically uh, seven rounds in total. Okay, what do we got next? Uh, early popcorn. I just wrote Andy Murray. He's back. He's back, baby. You think that he's going to go two tournaments without being early popcorn? He didn't get early popcorn in Indian Wells. You think that's going to happen two times in a row? Not on my watch. Ain't going to happen. Andy Murray, four-time finalist at Miami. Uh, obviously, he hasn't done it since it's moved to Hard Rock. In fact, he's only played here once since it moved to Hard Rock. Um, he is really unfazed by the hot and humid conditions. Uh, used to train in Miami during the off season. So he was always really super confident at the Crandon Park location. I don't know if that's, you know, really, uh, if it's the same thing at Hard Rock. Uh, but also overall, I really like how he's playing in 2023. Those Indian Wells conditions really don't suit him. I think these are a little bit better for him. So I have no hesitation and I, I make him a dark horse. Let us get to the quarterfinal here. I have Carlos Alcaraz defeating Taylor Fritz. Let me talk about Taylor Fritz. Uh, the other candidate here in Fritz's area was Holger Runa, who I strongly considered. He's been in Miami a long time. He, he's, he's been training there. I mean... Maybe that's not abnormal for a lot of the players who lost uh, a little bit earlier on uh, in uh, at Indian Wells. You know, Runa suffered that kind of early defeat to Stan Wawrinka, uh, but he was like in Miami right away. So I, I do like to see that. He'll be very used to how the courts are playing. Um, and look, I'd love to see Runa play Alcaraz. I think that'd be very exciting. Uh, uh, but Fritz has been more solid results-wise, and I'd say the heat and the humidity and the wind, to a certain extent, is a little bit of a concern. The humidity certainly got to him in Acapulco versus Demonor. We know the history of, of cramping, which I think is, you know, re really largely an issue of the past, but he's still not really a player who I'm super excited to get behind when the conditions might you know, suck to play in uh, from a from a you know perspiration standpoint and a humidity standpoint. Uh, so I just don't think that's a plus for him. Taylor Fritz, on the other hand, I wasn't discouraged at all by his Indian Wells. He failed to defend his title. He, uh, I think, he dropped in the rankings to number ten in the world, 
which is quite drastic, even though we made the quarters, which was interesting to see. It just goes to show you how tight that 5 through 10 zone is in the rankings. Uh, but he played really well against center in that quarterfinal, really well. So I think he'll head to Miami confident, feeling absolutely uh, pretty good about himself. He has won 10 out of his last 12 matches, including a title in Florida, Delray Beach, uh, several weeks back. Always a positive. But I do have Carlos Alcaraz, the defending champion. This was his first big title last year. Um, and I guess, I suppose, the first big title of his career. Um, that's good. That's good. Uh, look, you, you know how impressed I was with his performance against Daniil Medvedev. Hopefully, you watched the Monday Match Analysis where I broke down his final against Daniil Medvedev, and you know how impressed I was with Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, I'd say the big concern here is uh, maybe fatigue, but there's just not a huge history of him getting tired. In fact, I can give you tons of examples of Herculean efforts on the part of Carlos Alcaraz when it comes to him not getting tired. I even think that there's been instances of that this year. I found it kind of impressive that he came off injury having not played in many, many months and made back-to-back -back finals, uh, you know, back-to-back -back weeks coming back. I thought that was kind of impressive from a fatigue standpoint. So I just wouldn't really count on Carlos Alcaraz getting tired. Uh, you know, what happened at the USO after the US Open last year, uh, I saw that as more of a mental rut, not so much physical. So I don't worry about him in that respect. And mentally, I don't expect a letdown either. He's not going to get fat and happy. Uh, I don't think that he was celebrating too hard after the Indian Wells title, like some players, arguably deservedly so, would. And that might affect, you know, how they head to Miami or the mindset they head into Miami. Uh, that happens all the time on tour. Players will win a huge title. Uh, but for Alcaraz, honestly, it's business as usual. And he's such a disciplined kid that, um, yeah, I'm just not concerned about it um, at all. That was um, a dog growling at a cat. My, my brother's dog growling at my brother's cat. I don't know if you heard that. Anyway, um, yeah, so Carlos Alcaraz to the semis. Let us move on now to Kasparud's quarter, the number three seed. You have Andre Rublev, Yannick Sinner, Alexander Zverev, Grigor Dimitrov, Roberto Batista Agut, Botik van de Zanskulp, and Miamir Katzmanovic. My dark horse here is Emil Rusevori. Welcome back to the dark horse, Emil Rusevori. I feel like uh, that's a spot that he hasn't occupied in quite a bit, but I know it's not his first rodeo as Dark Horse uh, on the show. Uh, look, uh, Rusevori, very good off the ground. Very, very solid off the ground. Good power, good consistency, uh, precision, all of that. He just hasn't really been able to develop the other areas as strengths enough to break into the top 30 in my view. Uh, that said, he's really good in Miami. In fact... The stat for Rusevori is he has not lost to anybody not named Yannick Sinner in Miami. That's right, undefeated against non-Yannick Sinners. He's if uh, unless uh, unless he's gone up against a ginger, he's won. That's the deal with uh, Rusevori thus far uh, in Miami. He's got wins over Alcaraz. This was 2021. Zverev, Emer, Cressy, four and two overall record. Uh, and then, you know, he's coming off of an Indian Wells where he did show some positive signs 
Uh, he beat RBA. Yeah, the, the courts are awful for Baptiste Agut, but still. Uh, even more impressively, I think he pushed Zverev to 7-5 in the third set, which I think at this point is actually uh, pretty good because I, I do think fairly highly of Zverev's level, uh, especially at Indian Wells. My upset alert is Kaspar Ruud. Uh, unfortunately, Ruud is still in upset alert. He was in upset alert, uh, at Indian Wells. Of course, he, uh, made the final last year. So it would be unfortunate for him if he were to lose early. Uh, but he's yet to win two matches at any tournament this year. And you know my thing, you've heard this before. I never like when a player goes to defend a ton of points in bad form. Uh, I hate that. I think it's a terrible feeling as a player when you don't have confidence and you know that, you know, you know that you might drop in the rankings pretty significantly if you don't put in a good result. The draw doesn't provide much relief. These are all guys in his little section. I don't know, 8th, 16th? I think all guys in his 16th. Uh, Ilya Avashka, Alexi Popperin, Michael Emer, Botik van de Zanschkop. It, it, it's nothing crazy, right? It's not like a nightmare situation, but I, I, it's not a soft draw. It's not a soft area of the draw by any means. So he's not going to get any help there. All right. So uh, let's see what Rude can do. I, I feel like he won't get things together until clay. And then I think he probably will get things together, but I think it'll take him until then. My early popcorn matches, Andre Rublev, versus the winner of J.J. Wolf and Alexander Bublik second round. Yeah, I still stand by it. The one thing I don't like about this format uh, with the 32 seeds and the buys is that it's just rough with the early popcorn. So uh, to me, that's the one that stood out. You know, Rublev against Bublik or Wolf. Uh, I really don't feel like arguing that much. I don't have much to say, but uh, that was my favorite second round match or first round match. So... Quarterfinal, Yannick Sinner defeats Alexander Zverev. Let's start with Zverev. Uh, he has started to beat the players he's supposed to beat. That's been the trend at the last couple tournaments for Zverev. Uh, but he's 1-3 against top 50 players. Notably at Indian Wells, the serve was really, really good, uh, including the second serve. You know, the second serve was uh, a huge problem area for Zverev uh, immediately coming back from the injury. In January, it was horrendous. Look, I still don't trust it under pressure. Absolutely not. I don't trust it under pressure, but I, I do trust it uh, in regular situations at this point uh, now. Uh, you know, I couldn't watch the Medvedev match at Indian Wells, admittedly, uh, but I haven't really seen him look confident in attack yet. So I don't think that he's 100%. At least I haven't seen Zverev at 100%. But I do think he's also doing a lot of things at a high level, particularly moving well, serving big, making a lot of balls. Uh, you know, the big serving counterpuncher, Zverev, that is pretty tough to beat. I, I still think, you know, if he were to beat Yannick Sinner, he would need to be offensive and aggressive on his forehand with confidence, you know, hit that forehand down the line. That's usually the X factor for Zverev. I haven't quite seen that yet. Um, and that's why I, I have Yannick Sinner. I have Yannick Sinner. I just can't pick, pick against him here. Uh, I've loved his form since January. 
Indian Wells definitely didn't change that. He beat a really, really strong version of Taylor Fritz. I know I said that already. Uh, then, unfortunately, he had a rough serving day against Carlos Alcaraz. I think he did some other things at, at a good level against Alcaraz. He certainly held up from the baseline against Alcaraz better than Daniil Medvedev did in the final. Uh, sure, maybe Alcaraz was also more erratic from the baseline than he was against Medvedev in the final. Uh, but on top of Sinner's really excellent form, he's been amazing in Miami. He's got an 8-2 and two career record in Miami. His first big final came here in 2021. Uh, last year, he was going to make another semifinal, I think, uh, but he had to retire against Francisco Serendolo in the quarterfinals because he had awful blisters on his feet. Uh, then he would have faced Casper Ruud. I mean, who knows? We, we could have been looking at back-to-back -back Miami finals for Yannick Sinner last year had he not had that unfortunate injury. Now, he is a guy who I, I do worry about when it comes to durability. Like, the fact that he went deep at Indian Wells, and now he has to go to Miami and try to go deep again. It's not an Alcaraz situation where I don't worry about that. You might say, oh, Alcaraz has injuries. Yeah, but those are like freak injuries. For Sinner, I've seen him fatigue. I've seen him wear down. So it's a concern, but not enough of a concern for me to pick against him. I just love the, the tennis that he's playing right now. Uh, it, it's kind of uh, just irresistible for me, I would say. Let's go to Daniil Medvedev's quarter. The top seeds are Hubert Hurkacz, Cam Nori, Alex Dimonor, Borna Cioric, Matteo Berrettini, Yoshi Nishioka, and Ben Shelton. My dark horse here, I couldn't really find one. Uh, there are three spots where a qualifier slash lucky loser will slot in. So uh, I'll throw that in there because I'm doing this preview before the qualifiers on the ATP side of things have been decided. Uh, you know, I, I, I love qualifiers. They win all the time. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's my dark horse because I, nobody caught my eye. Upset alert, it's another repeat from Indian Wells. I know I did this with Casper Ruud. Matteo Berrettini is going to have to suffer the, the same fate. Uh, you know, both of them were not only upset alerts at Indian Wells, but they were correct upset alerts at Indian Wells. And, you know, Berrettini, I, I'm still there with him as well. He lost first round to Tara Daniel uh, in, in, Cal in, in California. Uh, then he entered the Phoenix Challenger, which was a good sign for his health. I was glad to see that Berrettini was like, okay, let's get some more tennis in. I thought that that was a good sign. Uh, but I don't think he'll be able to draw really any confidence from a quarterfinal defeat to Alexander Shevchenko. Uh, congratulations for you know to Shevchenko for you know making the final. It was a great run, and Nuno Borges would end up winning the Phoenix Challenger. Uh, but you know, I, it's not it's not going to inspire me to get behind Berrettini in this spot. Best of three on a hard court. Uh, no history of success in Miami. Um, the draw isn't terrible. McDonald, Mackie McDonald, Daniel Galan, not terrible. Not so soft that I couldn't see him being taken out. So uh, Berrettini remains on upset alert. All right, what do we got? Early popcorn. Ben Shelton, who is seated. Seated. I don't know. I, I, it was almost weird. I don't want to say this is the first time he's been seated. He's probably been seated before at, at ATP tournaments, but it's the first big tournament uh, that I can remember him being seated. He's the 32 seed, and he will play the winner of Jerry Shang or Adrian Manorino. Um, especially if it's Jerry Shang, um, 
I, I feel like that's a must-watch match. For me, it's a must-watch match. And I think Shelton is one to watch uh, in general. Uh, he grew up in Florida. He played college tennis in Florida. He will probably get big court assignments, which I think he eats up. I think he's a showtime kind of guy. He's got that special personality. He's going to rise to the occasion. Uh, he won't be bothered by the heat, which I, I hope was implied by how I started here. Uh, the serve is huge. Which, which makes him already dangerous. Even if he's in the early stages of his development as a pro in a lot of areas, uh, that serve is going to make him dangerous right away, always. So I'm very interested in not only his first match, which is technically the second round, I'm also interested in, in a potential third round match uh, between Hercotch and Ben Shelton, which would be in the third round. Hubert Hercotch, who has a terrific history in Miami. I'll take a moment to talk about him. He's 12-2 and two lifetime in Miami. He's won Del Rey as well. He's generally awesome at hardcourt masters. And he's a tough matchup for Medvedev, who would be his potential quarterfinal. So I'm going to stop there. I'll circle back. I'll circle back and talk more about Hercotch and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, my... Oh, wait. No, I'm not going to circle back. I'm going to reveal my quarterfinal now. All right, my quarterfinal is Medvedev defeats Cam Nori. Now, uh, first of all, with the Hercotch thing, as much as all the numbers suggest that I should pick him, I just haven't loved what I've seen from him. I still, I think he is fragile from the baseline, and the draw is tough, so... The numbers say that I should be high on him, but I'm not. Uh, I like Cam Nori. He's 21-4 and four this season. It's been phenomenal. He's done really well in his career in heat and humidity. Acapulco, Del Rey, Atlanta, uh, all events that he's done very, very well in. Uh, the last two editions of Miami, he's won a couple of matches. Uh, won two matches each time, lost to Fritz and Rude. So hasn't really taken bad losses in Miami either. I like the Hercotch matchup if it happens, if it happens, uh, due to his cross-court backhand, which I think will really bother Hubert Hercotch's forehand, uh, plus the consistency level. You know, Hercotch as a baseliner uh, does rely on his opponent to make mistakes, and Nori isn't really going to give him any mistakes. Uh, plus, I don't mind the Shelton matchup because of the physicality and the baseline toughness. I think he can wear down Ben Shelton, um, potentially. So, Nori is my pick to make the quarterfinal, but Daniil Medvedev is my pick to make the semifinal. Uh, he is another guy like Alcaraz, and I've spoken about this before, uh, after he won three titles in three straight weeks. I'm rarely worried about fatigue with him. And the only point, really, that I feel like I need to make about Medvedev is the following. The only big hardcourt tournament that Daniil Medvedev has not made the final of is Miami. Now that he's done it at Indian Wells, because Indian Wells was missing. It was Indian Wells and Miami. He's made the final everywhere. Everywhere. Okay? Uh... U.S. Open, yeah. Australian Open, yeah. ATP Finals, yeah. All the hardcourt masters, yes. If it's a hardcourt, it's a Daniil Medvedev court. And if, if he didn't show that last week, then I don't know what he showed. 
that's what he showed last week. That if it's a hard court, it's a Medvedev court, uh, period. Kitty, go down. Sorry, I'm dealing with animals here while I do the preview. I'm not used to this. I don't own any animals. Um, okay, let's see. Where was I? Um, oh, yeah. Well, one other concern that I, I do want to mention is uh, Medvedev does not like extreme heat at all. Uh, so that's the best theory for why Miami has been a little bit rough for him. In fact, I, I think I do recall some cramping issues for him in Miami uh, specifically. Um, so the sun might be his greatest rival here, which is a great thing. If the sun is your greatest rival, means you're a pretty means you're in pretty good shape. means you're a good tennis player in good shape. So I pick him to the semifinals. All right, Stefanos Tsitsipas's quarter. You have Felix Ojeh-Aliassim, Francis Tiafo, Karen Hatchinov, Lorenzo Musetti, Dan Evans, Francisco Sarundolo, and Sebastian Baez. My dark horse here is Yuri Lehechka. Yes, another repeater. Uh, I don't have that much to add from everything I said about him at Indian Wells. I'm, I'm high on his game. I think he's on the rise. I think he's going to be top 30 very soon. I'm doubling down on him, uh, even though he lost really badly to Rublev at Indian Wells. And uh, then he lost to Kokonakis at the Phoenix Challenger. Uh, I'm just still going gonna, gonna, gonna to stick to my guns on Yuri Lehechka for now. On the clay, I'm not as high on him. So if he doesn't capitalize on this on this dark horse pick, then it, it'll probably be a little while until you see him back in the dark horse uh, category. All right. Um, what else do we got here? We have upset alert, Stefanos Tsitsipas. Let's talk about Tsitsipas. Uh, look, here's what happened. I don't know how many of you watched my the YouTube short that I put out after my Indian Wells uh, preview. Uh, way less people watched that, I know for a fact, than watched the preview. Uh, I, I knew as the day after I picked Tsitsipas to make the Indian Wells final, I knew it was a dead. I knew it was a bad pick. It wasn't going to happen. It was a, it was a huge mistake. Uh, I had forgotten about his shoulder injury. And then I kind of read in the comments, some people bring it up and I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's an interesting point. Then he went into his press conference before Indian Wells and he was like, oh, I'm hurt. I can't make a deep run. I'm not going to play well. And it's like, okay. And then he goes out against Jordan Thompson. And it's interesting with, when you think about the shoulder, usually you're thinking about the serve first and foremost. The serve looked okay. If not the forehand, the forehand looked okay. It was actually the one-hander that looked belabored. And it got to the point, especially in the third set, where Tsitsipas was chipping all of his backhands. So he would get like a short ball on the backhand and he would chip and charge. And it's like, what are we doing here? So I don't understand why Tsitsipas is playing. Like, I, I really don't. I, I don't... He... What he said in press is that he made a commitment to himself to play this part of the year. I, I don't know what that means. Like, that doesn't answer the questions I have. I would, I would say, okay, Steph, why did you make that commitment to yourself? Like, what is the reasoning here? I, I don't understand. If you don't have a chance to win, what's the point? Uh, th there might be factors at play that I'm not aware of. I don't know. F financial, I, I don't know. 
but I, I don't get it. And he's a very easy upset alert pick for me. I'm just wondering about the clay court season uh, and how quickly this shoulder thing is going to go away or how long it, it lingers. It's going to be very interesting to follow. Early popcorn here, I just couldn't come up with anything. Anything that I put was just going to be a total force. Uh, nothing stood out to me. I'm sorry. So no early popcorn in Stefanos Tsitsipas's quarter. My quarterfinal here is Felix Ojealiasim defeating Karen Hachinov. When I was watching Felix play Alcaraz at Indian Wells, I was thinking the same, you know, one thing the entire time. I was watching that match and I'm just like, mm, yeah, I'm going to pick him to do well in Miami. I'm picking FA. He's not going to win this match. I know he's not going to win this match, but I, I, I'm picking him in Miami uh, to, to make a run because uh, I really loved the way he played um, against Alcaraz. And I'm kind of drawing a blank on who he beat in the match prior to Alcaraz, but I was, I was super impressed with that match as well. Was it Tommy Paul? Might have been Tommy Paul. I forget. Um, you know, and the reason why I was so impressed, let me explain. The conditions largely took away his serve, which is, you know, something that he, he very heavily relies on. I like to emphasize this with Felix because I, I think his first serve is almost underrated. Uh, it's like the seventh best first serve in all of men's tennis, including all the serve bots. The seventh best, uh, you know, when I, when I rank it. So it's really amazing. Indian Wells takes that away. We saw that in the final with Medvedev uh, serving like, what, 15% first serves unreturned against Alcaraz? Uh, but Felix was hitting his backhand much better than he had been. Um, he was just, you know, playing much better from the back of the court and still competing hard against really great players without being able to lean on his serve, which I just thought was a phenomenal sign. Uh, plus he's a former semifinalist in Miami. And as long as it's not too windy, I'm really high on him coming into this one with that. Let us go to the final weekend predictions. Before I do that, um, well, you know what? No, I, I, won't, I won't give it the pre-monologue, the pre and I, I'll just reveal it in three, two, one. Alcaraz defeats Sinner in three sets. Medvedev defeats FAA in three sets. Alcaraz defeats Medvedev in two sets. Yeah, uh, I know what you're thinking. And I'm thinking the same thing, and I hate it. I, I don't like it. I don't, you know, the likelihood that we are going to see basically the same exact tournament as we did last year at Indian Wells is so slim. It is so darn slim. And I, 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 I know that, you know, but I can't bring myself to pick this any other way. I'm... I'm too high on, on Alcaraz and Medvedev and, and Sinner. And there's, there's other guys who I would, I guess, consider. I'm, I'm high on Tommy Paul. I'm high on Taylor Fritz. Um, I'm high enough on, on Nori and Runa. Like, there are some names, but I, I, can't, I can't bring myself to pick them over Medvedev, Alcaraz, and Center, I feel good about FAA to the semis. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I do like that pick, um, which means it'll probably lose because that's how this works. But, um, yeah, I, I just have this kind of going the same exact way. 
Uh, I meant to change it to three sets, by the way. Alcaraz defeats Medvedev. So let's end on this. Um, here is my analysis, real quick, quick version, on if Alcaraz plays Medvedev again, what is likely to be different. Medvedev will get more out of his serve. I believe he will have an easier time holding serve, no doubt, okay, because his serve is going to help him more in Miami than it can at Indian Wells. I mean, his serve was completely neutralized in that final, and, and that's unlikely to happen again. The other thing that will probably happen if they play again is uh, probably a larger disparity. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I should say a, a cleaner performance by Medvedev and not quite as clean a performance from Alcaraz. When it comes to you know just how how much cleaner Alcaraz was able to keep keep it in the errors category in baseline rallies against Medvedev, I, I would be surprised if that happened to that extent again. So would I expect a closer meeting between Alcaraz and Medvedev if they played in the Miami final? Yes, I would. Yes, I would. However, I still think all of the difficulty that Medvedev had against Alcaraz's serve uh, with the way Alcaraz was attacking Medvedev's return position, that is something I do not see changing. And at the end of the day, I'm going to go Alcaraz to take the sunshine double um, because if he brings the same discipline to the court that he did in the final of Indian Wells and he uses that as a teaching moment, then I, I, I just think he's going to be flat out next level uh, if he's able to replicate that. I don't know if, he, if he'll actually do it or if that was just kind of a, a bit of a, I don't know, perfect storm one match thing and it might take him longer to kind of develop the ability to do that match in and match out. But hey, Alcaraz breaks a lot of rules. The rule is when you're 19 years old, you don't win the sunshine double. In general, the rule is you just don't win the sunshine double, no matter how old you are, unless you're Novak Djokovic. That's generally the rule. All right. But Carlos Alcaraz is good enough to break some rules. So that's where I'm going with this. All right. Uh, I do not know how to play the piano. No clue, never done it in my life, so I will not be teaching you how to play Moonlight Sonata. Looking forward to Miami this week, a unique experience, of course, uh, being at the event, and uh, let's have some fun with it. Hope you enjoyed this preview. Don't forget to subscribe. I'll see you next time. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean not a cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. Yeah. New New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.